Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode eight. We are on to 25 weeks of this podcasting. So in some ways, I hope we're just getting started. But today we are joined by two uh, pretty great people, two people that are through hikers that are pack makers, MYOGers, um, and they hail from the great state and city of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for hey. having us. Thank you. Awesome. Well, uh, we are here with Nashville Pack. So we have Levi and Grant. Um, they're going to tell us a little bit about Nashville Pack, what they've done. And then also we're going to get, like we always do, a little bit silly at the end uh, with a fun game. So first things first, Avery's got a, a question for you guys. Yeah. So I know Bedhead from through hiking the Appalachian Trail southbound. Um, and I just knew you as Bedhead. So I didn't even really know. <laughs> it's weird to like when you know someone's name, but you don't know their name um, and you put it together. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to kind of hear about y'all's trail names um, since there's two of you and you guys both have trail names. Oh, and we should also before that, we are all drinking beer. <laughs> You just gave me a visual cue. So that's, that should be the first question. What's, what are you guys drinking? So um, we both got some local brews, uh, both from Tennessee Brew Works uh, from here in Nashville. Uh, I've got the Cutaway IPA. Um, I'd love to say that they named it after our backpack, but it's not true. Not true at all. Um, and Grant's got the uh, State Park uh, Blonde Ale, uh, which uh, supports the state parks in Tennessee. So, oh, yeah. I love that. I love the local beers. I actually have a Coco Loco Porter with cacao nibs and coconut, and it's from Noda, which is in Charlotte. And I'm going to be extra bougie because I like like a beer cocktail. So I did make a spiced Ooh. rim for my beer and it's like sugar, cinnamon, <laughs> nutmeg, cardamom. All right. Email us the recipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got the Wicked Weed Brewing Appalachian Session IPA. The the topo design got me. It's all about can art, so we went simple. <laughs> a nice can. It is. Sweet. Okay, sweet. Well, cheers. <laughs> yeah. Got to get the can pop. All right, so uh, trail names. Bedhead and Gusha. Um, you know, yeah. off the top of my head, having not really known you guys, they don't make a lot of sense yet, but fill in the blank for us. <laughs> Um, well, mine's pretty straightforward. Uh, I, I had some pretty bad hair uh, from the get-go, and uh, it seems like it should be a common name, but it's, uh, it's, I, I haven't met any other bedheads, so uh, it works out. Yeah, I got it from uh, Poet at Shaw's in Monson, heading southbound, and it just kind of stuck. And, uh, and that's pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, his hair was like, like yeah. this. I mean, literally like four or five inches above his head, just all over the place. And uh, mine is actually, so it's Gusha, but it's the word Gusher, but it's with, I kept the Australian accent of the person who gave it to me. So I'm known to get a little excitable on trail from time to time. I just love it. And so I uh, sometimes get a little gushy and uh, I kept, I kept the accent. It worked out. <laughs> You gotta, gotta, gotta fill it in. It's gotta have the different effect. Yeah, right? exactly. Like gusher. Okay. Gusha. What's that? I've never heard that before. Exactly. <laughs> and then Avery, you also got one. So my trail name is bubbles and it was given to me like negative day one. Um, and just because we were like drinking beers and I burp a lot. So <laughs> some <laughs> well, people thought perfect. it was from like go trailer park boys because i also had these like round glasses and then people automatically just think it's because i'm a bubbly person so it's kind of like a triptych but yeah <laughs> awesome um so i'm super passionate about hiking southbound and that's how i met um bedhead but i just wanted to know like why southbound if you're convincing someone who might want to be wanting to be going northbound this year like why was Southbound so special to you? I need to put this in like a, a way that won't piss anybody off. Um, <laughs> I wanted a, a more, um, a less crowded experience. 
specifically for the AT, uh, heading southbound on the AT is going to be uh, a bit less crowded than going northbound. Um, so yeah, that's that was like one of the bigger ones. Uh, timing lined up well for us specifically, um, but for someone this year, you know, with COVID going on, I'm sure everybody's schedules are uh, a lot more fluid. So. <laughs> I think Gusha joined you on a little suction hike going southbound. And I don't know if you went northbound or southbound on your AT hike, but maybe if you have like some comparisons or what you enjoyed about both experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I northbounded in 2015. Um, and then I joined him. I did about half the trail again in 2018 southbound. Um, what I'll say about it is that, I really liked the community southbound. It was a little more like sparse and spread out. It felt a lot like the CDT does northbound where there's like, there's people around, but you pretty much know everyone that's like plus or minus a couple days from you. Cause it's like 10 people. Whereas like the north <laughs> yeah. northbound on the AT or the PCT, there's like 75 people in both directions plus <laughs> or minus a day. And you don't know everybody, but there's like a good insular community of people on a southbound hike. That, uh, that felt really good. I definitely agree with that. I always told people it was like living in a really small town going southbound because you knew like what everyone was doing mm -hmm. three days ahead of you and what everyone was doing three days behind you. Things would just pass down the trail, like stories if someone got hurt, if someone left. So it was definitely like a small, small town gossip. <laughs> yeah, near the end, we had like a group that we called the Sobo Snowball because it was like, <laughs> The, the small group of people that was all kind of bunching together to finish. I think it was like on a Saturday. Everyone was aiming to finish and be with their families. So it's like this group of people. But you knew everybody that was there. So that was really fun. Yeah, it ended up being like 22, 23 Southbounders all finishing on one day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Crazy number. Yeah, Which is like good. a fourth of all Southbounders that yeah. finished that year yeah. anyway. So that's a pretty big number. <laughs> yeah. Pretty fun. So I am, I, I'm not a through hiker, uh, very, very much an outsider here, but there's a certain <laughs> level, like, you know, if you walk into somebody at a bar or at a restaurant or something, you might trigger a conversation, but if you end up having a good conversation with them, it's more of like, wow, that turned out really, really well. You don't really expect to join like 23 other people randomly. What is that? What's that barrier of like, you're, you're on a trail and you're like, oh, we're, we're just going to hang out a lot now, all of a sudden we don't know each other yet, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Do you want to take it? You got a lot yeah, more experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that the cool thing about being on trail is that everyone kind of has something really like directly in common with each other that mm -hmm. they can all kind of like get behind. You, like you all have the goal of you know doing this yeah. all together. So yeah. many of like the outside things of the world don't really matter, and you can all connect on that one yeah. thing and like the experience that everyone's going through. So you get real close with people real fast because <laughs> you cut out all the BS of like normal life you all hyper-focus on one thing and then it's like, let's all share in the suffering together and have a good time doing it. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how it goes. Like, like, like you said, it just helps break down the walls of like all the nonsense. Like we can, we can leave that and get down, yeah. get to something a little bit more fun, but also more serious. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Just for the people listening who don't know about you run through real quick, the trails that you've completed. Sure. Uh, so I hiked, uh, the AT southbound in 2018, and uh, I've done a lot of other various sections and weekends and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, that's that's my resume. <laughs> and uh, I've hiked uh, all three Triple Crown trails: uh, 15 on the AT, 17 on the PCT, and 18 on the CDT. Did half the AT again in 18 as well. I've also done the Colorado trail. I've done the Arizona trail. I've done the Sheltoe trace, which is a, like a 300 mile trail in Tennessee and Kentucky. I've done that a few times, lots of weekends, lots of, lots of sections here and there. You're really bored person, bit. aren't you? <laughs> I like to walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what came first for you guys? Um, was it, ultralight or was it walking like were you into backpacking and then eventually you realized that carrying 40 pounds wasn't a whole lot of fun or was it something that you wanted to do ahead of time that before you just started walking you know 10,000 miles a year yeah I uh I, I grew up with backpacking so like the walking came first and then ultralight came later but like I was really like for me I really got back into backpacking after I was already like a working professional in it for like 
for a lot of people, it's an escape. And, and it was for me. And then, um, the, uh, uh, I found the, uh, the ultralight subreddit and, um, <laughs> that like, I don't know, it, it was, uh, it was a runaway train from there. Uh, and they kind of just fueled each other. So that, that's, that's how it was for me. Yeah. And, uh, for me, I, it was the hiking first. Um, but oddly enough, so my first night ever backpacking was my first day on the AT. I was one of those. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I did some research on gear and stuff and I had an okay, like ultra lighty sort of setup, but nothing like, nothing like what people do these days. It was kind of, sure. you know, middle of the road, did the AT like that. And then kind of like, once I found the passion for through hiking and then kind of on reflection of what I had just used, then I started like evolving and kind of getting more into ultralight and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was kind of chicken and the egg thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I think everyone finds like comes about it different ways, but it's always interesting. I've heard lots of stories about people who are like, as my first night camping was on the AT. So (laughs) there are definitely people who just, that's their personality. They just go out there and they're like, this is my first time doing it. But they're also the people that will like end up going the whole way. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. It it wasn't my first night like camping, but it was, it was like first backpacking (laughs) for sure. Like I, I think the first time I ever like packed up my bag was to put it into the trunk in the car to drive down to Springer. So. <laughs> so I've got a, I've got a friend who, uh, his, one of his favorite mottos is, uh, stay calm, stay cool, safety third. I feel like that's the type of mentality that, re- that would, that would be like, Oh, my first backpack trip is going to be the AT. What, what about you is like, yeah, this is going to be my first time. It's going to be totally fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty good at throwing <laughs> caution to the wind. Okay. That's kind of how I live my life. Uh, jump in head first and, uh, that was definitely a, a, a headfirst experience. So yeah, well, respect there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. So talking about backpacking and um, going out for the first time, what do you think the largest barrier to ultralight and ultralight gear is? And do you see um, a solution for that? This is a this is a very tough question. Um, it's a very complex question. I think it all comes back to knowledge. Like there are, there are a lot of, a lot of different diverse barriers. So I I would say like, I I think he's right in that it's knowledge, right? It's whether it's fear of the unknown and that's, you know, knowledge in itself. You're not, you're just for some, you know, people say you pack your fears, for example. And that's a lot of that is just Mm. not knowing what it's like doing a lot of backpacking and knowing how to handle certain environments because a lot of a lot of ultralight involves, um, you know, dual using the same item for different things, or or being okay with being uncomfortable, and that that in itself is a bit of knowledge. Like you have to know about yourself. You have to know if you're the type of person who maybe sometimes is okay sleeping in a crappy spot or hiking, you know, until you find something better, or are you the type of person who's okay maybe having less clothes and not being super toasty. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, I think it all boils down to knowledge, honestly. Um, and knowing like not only what you're capable of, but, but, uh, also sort of like what it's okay to deal with because, because again, you pack your fears. So that's kind of a a common statement in, in sort of the ultralight community. Is it fair to say that maybe one of the antidotes to learning ultralight is, is just experience of packing a 40 pound pack or being really uncomfortable at night and just and just understanding that a bit more absolutely yeah well you know one of one of the sort of like themes of ultralight is that people tend to buy things twice in that everyone you know you buy your, your first <laughs> set of gear you realize how ridiculous it was that you were carrying yeah. 40 something pounds and then you rebuy it on reflection because yeah. everyone's like Oh, of course I need this and this and this and this and this and this. And, you know, I will, obviously I'm going to need this pack so that I can carry my 40 pounds. And then on, again, on reflection, you're like, well, that kind of sucked. What happens if I try to bring it down? And, and yeah, so I, for, for sure. I think, I think you have to almost fail or not fail, but see the benefits of carrying less as opposed to the, the benefits of carrying a lot and being comfortable in camp or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
too, just from like a through hiking experience and whatever direction you go in, there's always this thing. You either get to you to Shaw's and you get to Poet and you do a shakedown or you get to Neil Gap at mile 33 and people realize like, I don't need just like whatever random piece of gear. I don't know if you guys saw something where you were like, I can't believe someone's carrying that. I do remember one specific person on the AT hike who I know you probably ran across, um, but he was carrying like a 60, 70 liter bag and he had like three tablets, two vapes, two external batteries, <laughs> but like he carried it the whole way and he was he was very proud. So that's different, but there is a thing of like, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to get rid of that gear unless you're doing a long hike. Cause I know when I go out now on a weekend trip, I'm like, I'm taking all the things like cushy <laughs> because I just know I can carry it and I don't care. But for yeah, sure, if I was doing like a 200 mile trail, I'd be much lighter, but for the weekend, I'm like, let's pile it all in. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think everyone gets to the point where they, they start looking at, you know, every individual piece of gear and you're like, did I use this in the last like week? You know, th that starts to be kind of the cycle right. and people just, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's pack is as heavy as when they start by the time they finish, they've <laughs> always dropped something, you know, outside of like hiking into the winter and getting more clothes or whatever. You, you just keep finding things to get rid of. So outside of your pack, right. Something that you are obviously both pretty passionate about let's say in the context of a through hike, what is your favorite piece of gear or the thing that you're, that you just can't live without your go-to the main thing that saves you every time? Um, I've got a, I've got a, a, a sling fin split wing tarp that I've been using recently, okay. which is pretty cool. It's got some like great packability, good yeah. coverage, nice weight. Um, and I'm like, I'm still like figuring it out, but like, I'm still like really excited by it. Um, yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, Favorite gear specifically for a through hike? Grant, you go, and then I'll, and then I'll I'll have an answer. <laughs> um, <Phone> a friend. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I think I've I've probably gotten about five of my friends to uh, to purchase a uh, a Nightcore NU25. It's a headlamp that's kind of like been the new hot thing for the last maybe like year and a half, two years, and it's a it's just a company that they make all types of flashlights and stuff, and they came out with this headlamp that it was kind of like the perfect headlamp for, for long distance hiking. I, back in the day, you know, like five years ago, I think I was carrying like a, a black diamond spot, which is very commonly uh, uh, recommended for people. But this thing weighs like three, three ounces and you need double A batteries and all these things. NU25, uh, Nightcore, the NU25 came out, like, like I said, like a year and a half ago. It weighs an ounce. It's waterproof. It's rechargeable. It lasts forever. And so everyone that I can talk to about headlamps, I'm like, I know it's like a boring piece of gear, the headlamp <laughs> itself, but like this one's awesome and you should be using it. Uh, so I'm, 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 I think that that thing is pretty much perfect. I mean, outside of not weighing anything, it basically does everything perfectly. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. That's a good shout though, because that really is a piece that'll weigh you down or just be annoying at the very least, right? You want it to yeah, be kind yeah. of out of sight, out of mind yeah. to some extent. Yeah. From multiple through I've gone through multiple headlamps and like, yeah. They always have something go wrong with them. I had one that got the, the one that I carried on the PCT got wet during a water crossing. It didn't work for like a week because it had to dry out. And so I was using my phone, you know, I had like the flashlight on my phone in the morning. It was awful. Uh, but this thing, like I said, it's waterproof and it's rechargeable. It's just, it just kind of fits the bill for through hiking perfectly. Yeah. And if you want an ultralight hack, um, which people do, you can replace a headband yeah, with that, shotgun, which it, yeah. we sell. Yeah. So Super easy setup. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer in that one yeah, too. It was a big upgrade over the <laughs> the previous the previous offerings in kind of every way. So, yeah. I think I'm ready to go. Uh, so, so my favorite piece of gear uh, in terms of a, like a through hike. I mean, like I'm the kind that the kind of person that always like is reevaluating everything. Mm -hmm. And so, like even with like my big three, or even like with backpacks. I mean, we're constantly making improvements. And yeah. Uh, 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 I'm never like hundred percent like comfortable and like, yeah, with like everything I've got. The one thing that I would never change is my gold toed uh, nylon dress socks. <laughs> <laughs> I, they're, they're so they're cheap. They, I mean, I had three pairs last me an entire through hike. They <laughs> oh dry gosh. fast. They're breathable. I got like wide feet. And so normally socks kind of like constrict like circulation and stuff. These things stretch out. I mean, like, they're they're the perfect hiking sock for me. Yeah. 
They last forever. They last forever. Everyone gets holes in their darn tufts. These big, thick wool socks, like gold <laughs> toe nylons, forever. They they never wear out. The last wow. person I know to wear gold toes was my dad in like 2005. <laughs> That's amazing. I think it's I like an even... old Ray Jardine hack, but yeah. yeah. yeah it's got it's got to be the nylons though. You can't you can't get like the cotton ones yeah, or like yeah. the blended ones. It's it's the nylon ones. Right. So, I didn't even know yeah. they made nylon gold toes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to find them. But yeah, they really are awesome. Like I used them on on the PCT, and the benefit that I had it's such a dusty trail. Like mm-hmm. if you if you if you've hiked anywhere out there, you really like it's yeah. it's all over everyone. If you watch videos of people, they have dust all <laughs> over themselves, like on their face, on their legs, everything. And so I would, I would, I had two pairs and I would rotate them and I would just mm. wash the, the, the previous pair out in the stream. People with darn tufts, if you've ever tried to like wash darn tufts that have a bunch of dirt in them, you just squeeze and squeeze and squeeze brown, brown water for days. Like it just, yeah. you never yeah. get all of it out. But with those thin nylon toe socks, just a, a quick wash in a stream and it's, it, they're completely clean, you know, so you don't have to deal with all that dirt and grime on your toes and stuff. It's kind of awesome. That is a really good point. Cause I definitely, I totally swear by darn toast, but I had to wash mine three times after something I did in the fall because they, and they were still black. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it just keeps coming. It's like, you, you can't even believe there's that much dirt, but yeah. yeah. You're really selling this. I'm like, after this episode, we're going to need to buy stock. And, gold toes. Uh, gold toes. <laughs> I do, I do recommend if you're coming from thicker socks, buy an extra pair of gold toes and wear two mm. pairs at once. You got a double bag at the double, beginning. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to get like, you will get blisters. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's a, it's, it's very thin. They're very thin socks. So, but then you, you build up your foot toughness and then you can get away with just rocking one pair at a time. Well, I bet too, with the gold toes, they must be lighter than the heavy darn <laughs> yeah, toes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that would be an interesting comparison. <laughs> and speaking to that, is there a piece of gear that you wish was lighter? Um, I know that. For yeah, you. yeah. For, for me, it's in this is more like a general thing than it's specifically a piece of gear, but I can break it down to one piece is like synthetic ins- insulation at all. Mm. Uh, I use exclusively synthetic gear. And so like my quilt weighs like 30 ounces when equivalent down quilts weigh maybe like 21, 22 ounces. So there's like eight full ounces that I sort of just carry. Um, and I, I would love for there to be an, an alternative to synthetic insulation that was lighter, but uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't exist yet. For me, it's it's battery packs. I mean, there've been some good advances yeah. recently in, in shrinking down battery packs and stuff, but I don't know. I I would love to be able to like carry some some extra juice and not feel guilty about it and not have to worry about it getting it recharged in town and all that. But yeah, that's where I'm at why why do you go all synthetic uh i don't use animal products in in any capacity so okay uh, yeah yeah yeah. um that's just yeah yeah yeah, no doubt that makes sense and it's i mean it's absolutely like it still is the performance and the the compression leader so like you know the true ultralight thing is to use down obviously but i i choose for ethical reasons not to and so uh it would be great if there was a synthetic insulation that matched it uh, obviously in, in weight, also in compression, that's a, that's always a constant struggle that I'm dealing with is, you know, we make, we make, uh, an ultralight pack that's small, just like, like many of the other packs, I have to always worry about volume. Volume is a major yeah. concern for me at all times because apex and now some of this new, uh, UP insulation that people are starting to use, it's like a loose fill synthetic, mm-hmm. um, which packs a bit better, but it, nothing touches down when it comes to, yeah. comes to that compression. So, Yeah. yeah. So you touched on it, the packs that you guys make, take us from day one in the history of Nashville pack to like never, uh, to maybe uh, your first hike to not making a pack to now, now this is, this is largely your job. Fill in the gap for us there. Sure. So it all starts in eighth grade with home (laughs) class. That's where I learned to sew. Um, And, and so I, I like, I learned how to use a sewing machine and I always kind of had that knowledge kind of floating in the back of my head. And, um, I picked up a sewing machine after college. I think I wanted to like hem some pants or something Yeah, and feel like doing it by hand. And, um, and so I had the sewing machine and then I was getting more into backpacking and, um, I had an Osprey pack that I literally stripped everything off of and it was still two pounds. And I was like, huh, 
I bet this can get way lighter. So I uh, started making my own packs and then that turned into making literally everything else. Um, and uh, I wasn't, uh, I was kind of burned out with my day job. And so I decided I'm going to make all my gear for the AT. Uh, if uh, it does well on the AT, I'll, I'll start a company. And right before I left, I met Grant. Um, and, uh, you know, the gear made it through like Vermont, like through the most like rugged parts of the trail heading southbound. And I was like, heck, I'm just going to do it. And I, I called up Grant and I said, Hey, you want to start a backpacking company? <laughs> <laughs> and Grant's like, I don't got anything else to do. <laughs> so I, think, I think when he called me, I was on the CDT. Like I was, you know, in the middle of Wyoming or something like that. <laughs> so it sounded great to me. I, you know, I, I, had, I had done obviously a, a good bit of backpacking before and I had tried, I'm not going to name specifically which packs that I don't need to talk bad on competitors or whatever, but there were so many things about packs that like I wanted to do differently and better. And I'd always thought about making my own gear, but I didn't have any sewing skills. I didn't have any, like I knew about fabrics a little bit and I, I, I definitely knew features that I wanted, but him and I got to kind of, especially in that time that, you know, I went and joined him for like 700 miles of the AT. We got a lot of time to like riff back and forth about specifics. And I, I got, you know, multiple backpacks worth of and, and long through hikes with those backpacks worth of knowledge on all these things that I wanted to improve upon. And so kind of with a lot of time of just walking and talking and talking about how we wanted a company to run, how we wanted, you know, all that thing, it sort of just came together. Yeah. It's like the ultimate research development and strategic planning meeting, just 700 exactly. miles of meeting. Yeah, 700 <laughs> miles of walking. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of time to talk. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious about uh, the packs that you were wearing on your AT Sobo hike. Is there anything that after your through hike was finished that you were like, I know I'm going to change this or add this or oh, yeah. make this better? Yeah. So um, just to give everybody a picture of what we were using. So it was uh, me and my wife, uh, I made uh, matching backpacks. It was really cute. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were, we were both using uh, grid stop uh, uh, packs um, and they had uh, like a, a Dyneema stretch mesh outside pocket and bottom pocket and vest style straps um, with a couple of pockets on it for cell phones and snacks and stuff like that. And um, one of the biggest things is uh, I use like a, a polyester um, spacer mesh and a polyester thread on the straps. But then the fabric that I was using for the structure was made out of nylon. And so every time it would rain or we'd get super sweaty, that nylon would stretch and then we get like really bad pressure points. <laughs> so I was like, that's the first thing I changed is how we build the straps. Um, and, and then they changed a few times after that, but, uh, yeah. uh <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, adding more volume to the outside pocket, make it, you know, we started pleating it, uh, using, uh, two different materials to get two different properties out of it. Um, and uh, I mean, the list is endless about like <laughs> the kinds of things we talked about and even just like small tweaks, um, you know, the, the hardware selection, the uh, These are I, things that still continue to get iterated upon. Like we're, we're, you know, we're, we're still talking about clips that we want to use and try to find. And, you know, there's always something that's kind of in the, in the works for like, things we can make slight like iterative changes on so yeah yeah for sure yeah you probably never thought you could think so much about a buckle until you're <laughs> yes. like making your own packs and i mean then you, you like pigeonhole like... into buckles for days oh yeah you get into these catalogs from <laughs> yeah. these hardware companies like the manufacturers and it's like 400 pages <laughs> worth of different slightly different buckles and you're like well i like number 647 that's pretty cool you know it's, it, yeah it gets bad it gets real bad Run us through the National Pack product line really quick. What do you guys? What do you guys have? Um, just give us kind of the brief thirty-second product copy of what what you got. Sure. Right now it's pretty simple. Um, we have uh, the cutaway uh, pack in uh, five five different fabric types, uh, plus a supply your own fabric option, and then an exclusive fabric type uh, over at Garage Grown Gear. Um, and then we have. Uh, shoulder straps, uh, which uh, are like a hybrid vest, J-strap. Um, 
Uh, we call them vest straps. Um, and then we have a series of accessories, including sternum straps, hip belts. Um, we sell a little uh, uh, adhesive backed heat shrink that you can put on the end of your, your webbing so that uh, you can finish it without having to sew anything. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the longest. It's pretty much, yeah, the universe is revolving around the backpack <laughs> at this point. Yeah. What are the features of the cutaway? Like for most people that don't, if they're, on a, you know, as a podcast, they don't, they can't see it. Uh, explain the cutaway pack room. Sure. It's um, so it's, it's uh, uh, we tried to, to streamline things as much as possible. It's a, it's a three panel design. Uh, so you have like the main outside um, you've got the panel that rides against the body and it curves to the underside of the pack. And then there's a, there's a collar panel on top of where the straps attach. Um, and there's one singular outside pocket uh, that includes both water bottle pouches and then additional storage uh, on the outside of the pack. Um, and because it's continuous, you can reach behind the water bottles and uh, grab things like rain jackets and gloves and snacks and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then due to the unique geometry of the panels, um, we have a bottom pocket that opens towards the front. Uh, well, front can mean multiple <laughs> yeah. things towards, towards the yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, um, so you can reach in with both hands. Um, it's going to be like right behind your waistline. Um, and so there's only two pockets aside from like the main compartment in the pack, um, on the pack. And then we have, uh, vest style straps that are, uh, structureless and very adjustable. Um, that are meant to ride on you with as much surface area as possible uh, to help distribute load. Um, and each strap has three pockets on it, a shoulder top pocket uh, for small things like chapstick, uh, headlamps. Um, you can fit a PLB, a uh, smaller PLB, like a, like a Spot Gen 3 um, uh, in there. And then uh, a main pocket for uh, cell phones, uh, sunglasses, that kind of stuff. And then a smaller uh, pocket underneath for smaller snacks. Uh, I keep my mosquito head net in there. It's perfect for that. Uh, you know, candy wrappers, all that kind of I stuff. Was able, so. Essentially it's, it's, it's a, it's a frameless, a small frameless, like ultralight backpack with the focus on accessibility of your, of your outside storage so that you can basically hike as well as possible. Like as long as, yeah, possible. hike as long as possible. The, the idea being that you can reach everything that you want to store outside and there's tons of storage options on the outside so that you can be, you know, in, in some ways kind of almost like an athletic focus towards your hiking goals. If you want to put it away and you don't need to be like a fast pack or anything like that. It's built for comfort as well, but accessibility was like a main focus for us. I should so. have started with all that. I was able, <laughs> I was able to put on one of your packs on Saturday. So our general manager Carter just got, uh, a, a Nashville pack, the cutaway. And he was super pumped on it. And he was like, dude, you, you got to try this thing on. And I'm like, all right, man, totally. I don't, I, I didn't have any like negative or positive. I was like, this will be cool to test it out. And he was like, feel the reach around pro the pocket. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, I said it, I was like, <laughs> you are so excited about this. Like, this is a little bit weird. And sure enough, like not having to access it from the side, but just being able to go right down and get it. It was a huge plus. It was probably the thing that stuck out to me most to be able to access that pocket on the bottom from your back and not like trying to do the whole like curve your hand around to then get in and then not drop it. I was, it was, it's pretty solid design. I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You've hit on a bunch of features just now on why I know a lot of people are coming to you to have custom packs made um, because they like a certain feature, a certain thing. But what is one thing that you think Nashville Pack does better than any other backpack company out there? Yeah, we uh, we we uh, this is a dangerous question uh, just because we 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 have a lot of respect for 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 um, for our peers in the industry. Um, so uh, it's, it's a hard one for us to put an answer to. I, I, think, <laughs> I think a safe answer is, is um, uh, access, a combination of accessibility and comfort um, uh, with our pack design that, I mean, which was our main focus. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, when I first joined Ripstop by the Roll, I was learning about the ultralight backpacking community and I've definitely been an outdoorsy person, done different things, but, but ultralight backpacking and through hugging is definitely not it. So I was really kind of inundated with this information. And 
was at first, I was kind of taken back. I'm like, why do all these people make the same pack? Like it's a really big body with a big outside pocket. Right. And that, again, that was like a very removed personality from that. But as I've been able to talk to a lot of these makers more, it's been cool because everyone is so unique. Everybody can find their pack. Like there are a handful of ultralight pack companies, but you guys do one thing much better than everybody else. And people that want that love that. And sometimes it's a lot more powerful to people that love you you know, a few people love you than a lot of people that kind of like you, you know? So it really is cool. I, I would just say that your accessibility is really, really, uh, it's kind of untapped. Yeah, I, I would say that, I would say that we, you know, having a kind of a, a different take on the pack than most people, especially with the vest yeah. and, and with the big outside pocket and stuff. I, I think, I think what we do and I'll, you know, kind of tack on on that last question. I think that we had a vision for what we wanted to do. And instead of like, necessarily maybe pushing towards what a lot, you know, closer to what people are maybe familiar with. We kind of stuck to our guns with what we thought, you know, yeah, it's not the way a lot of people have done it, but this is the way we want to do it. And, and we've been real adamant about like making sure that we, we stay on, you know, stay focused with that and not get kind of like too swayed by what people, because we have, we get emails all the time, people basically asking us to make like the same pack that they could get from other mm. people essentially. Yeah. Oh, can you sew the pocket together? Can you do this? Can you do that? And it's like, I mean, yeah, but I'm not going to do that because you can buy that from anybody. I'm selling this because this is what I believe in. And this is the thing that through my experience, I found works better. You might not think that because maybe you haven't actually tried it and that's okay. But like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay focused on what I like doing and like, and, and, and and what I think is going to work really well. So I think that's kind of where we've been good is, is staying bold in our, in our vision of, of, of what works really well. So, yeah, that's really, uh, I think people want that, right. They want you to be confident in the thing that you make, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be because yeah, we, we definitely have at times gotten some pretty, some pretty big pushback from people who just don't think that what we're doing is like the right thing, um, until they try it. And then we've had so many people that, I mean, many people have sent us messages or emails after the fact, or we've had people try it on and just be like, Oh, now I get it. And it's like, yeah, cool. Like I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy because, because I, you know, I believe yeah. in that and, and I want people to, to see, you know, the, the fruits of our labor. So, so people are, are loving the cutaway, but what's next for Nashville pack? What do you guys see coming in the future? <laughs> um, so uh, in the immediate future um, we are, releasing a couple of additional sizes of the cutaway um, and uh, diversifying our lineup a little bit more. We're including a, a J strap. It's a modified J strap um, that is structural. It's just like our best straps. But if um, we, we find that there's, you know, a number of people that feel like uh, the vest straps are maybe a little bit over uh, encumbering um, and they want just, you know, a, just the more traditional yeah. J. Yeah. Um, and we've always, we've always tried to kind of message that one can wear the vest straps because we built them as almost like a hybrid. We've always tried to message that you don't have to have two sternum straps and closing it like a vest. You could just wear it like a J with a single sternum strap and you'd be fine. But I think to accommodate people feeling like it's, it's more, more their style, we are going to be introducing an actual J style strap. Um, and the only difference being really, cause it's the same general shape and everything. The only difference being that because it cuts off in the J way, you do lose that bottom pocket that you gain access to by having a vest, you know, just by having that, that space yeah, yeah. Uh, on the vest. Um, but other than that, it's, it's the exact same comfort, the same, it attaches the same way. And because we make the, the packs with the, um, modular straps that you can swap in and swap out if one if one so chose they could have one of either and then swap out depending on what they were doing if they were going to be doing something with some more fast packing that they wanted a vest for they could wear the vest and then if they just wanted jays they could just literally swap the straps off the same pack and then switch to their normal uh so elaborate on that one more I, i was able to see your strap system just the other day but for those that have not seen how you guys attach your straps can you explain what that looks like and why you do your straps that way Sure. Um, so what we do is we have a daisy chain uh, t- um, built into the strap attachment point uh, on the pack. Uh, so it goes like from, from side to side on the pack uh, on, on the wearer's side of the pack. And um, the straps at the top have uh, three pieces of webbing sewn in uh, that uh, just hang loose on one end. 
And uh, so you weave them into the daisy chain and then we include a tri-glide so you can cinch them down and fix them at a specific length. Um, and, and what that allows you to do, it not only allows you to set your straps wider or closer together on the backpack, depending on like, say you have like a, a big neck or, or something where it's more comfortable to have the straps wider than market standard or narrower than market standard, but it also allows you to adjust the angle on the straps. So if uh, you need to angle them outward, like say you're wearing them and you're starting to get a pressure point on your collarbone. I'm sh I feel like that's something that's pretty relatable to a lot of people. You can loosen the tension on the innermost uh, webbing and triglide and it will angle the straps slightly outward and it will put more of the pressure towards the outside of the straps. So um, it helps improve comfort uh, in, in that way. That's genius. Yeah, I was blown away. I thought that was super cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, we definitely had, you know, kind of the standard, we, we would get emails and be like, oh, you know, they're too narrow. I got my pack. These feel too narrow. They feel too wide, you know, a variety of things. And we said, well, how, do, how are we going to fix this? Well, let's come up with a way of yeah. making them adjustable left, right, and, you know, add some length because, you know, there's always sort of a, a thing going on there with people liking different lengths on their straps. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it just ended up being super comfy and we really, really like it. Was it difficult for you guys to justify the weight of adding the the extra daisy chains, the extra ladder locks, things like that? For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it was, it wasn't just like, um, it wasn't something that happened uh, immediately. It kind of happened over time. Um, it was kind of a, a death by a thousand people <laughs> in the sense that like, <laughs> we started with a, a slider system for our sternum straps. And uh, then we were like, well, we, we, we were having uh, slider systems are, are, are can oftentimes uh, mean like, uh, you know, like customers calling in and saying like, hey, how do I fix this? I'm in the middle of a hike. My sternum strap popped off. Catastrophic failure. <laughs> yeah. And so so we switched to like a daisy chain and toggle system just to, to, to make things easier to fix in the field. And um and then uh, I was like, we could do this for straps. And so we had a fixed toggle system for a while. It wasn't an adjustable toggle system, but at least you could mm -hmm. set your straps wider or closer together. And, um, and then um, we kind of sat down in the spring after, after uh, COVID hit. And like, we were like, it, it was going to be, you know, a busy summer for us with extra hiking and stuff. And then when COVID hit, we were, we were like, okay, well, let's focus on the business. And um and, and that, that was about the time that we started making the decision to switch to the adjustable system at the top of the stern straps. So. As, as far as the added weight, what, what I'll say is that um, what we found is that it absolutely it, uh, increased the durability because that's usually like a really difficult point. There's a lot of stress going on where the shoulder straps connect. And you'll notice like a lot of pack makers put extra bar tacking there. They'll do all, all, all sorts of things. A lot of companies already put uh, pieces of webbing um, like one example would be Gossamer. Mm. Uh, they built the piece of webbing into where they, they sew their backpack or yeah. the straps in anyway, right? Just for that reinforcement. So we found that the durability uh, is actually awesome. Like because you have a thick piece of webbing there and you're sewing everything into the webbing, it, uh, it, uh, it helps a ton. And that kind of helps justify really? the weight because it's, it's really not that much. And we've actually decreased it. We used to have a bigger piece of webbing and we, we thinned it out quite a bit. So yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even think it adds an ounce, maybe like three quarters of an yeah. ounce and it's absolutely worth it for the durability. And then all of the yeah. feature set of the modularity and the, the adjustability, yeah. it, uh, adjustability absolutely. and everything. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this is the last question that we have, and then we'll go into uh, fun activity is what I'll call <laughs> it. But <laughs> what do you, what do you think is going to be the next big thing in ultralight gear? So um, ultralight's been kind of cyclical recently in just like big general trends. Um, and so like a few years ago, there was like a big surge in the number of like quilt companies uh, and a lot of advancements in like uh, quilts and differential cut being much more uh, prevalent and stuff like that. And, um, and then uh, there was a huge influx of, backpack companies there's including us <laughs> including us yeah the yeah next, the next thing <laughs> yeah, yeah there were tons of backpack companies and 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 i i think that there's a lot of room for people to get into the shelter game now mm. especially with like 
the advancements in like nylon and polyester fabrics. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that can be done to kind of improve upon existing designs. Uh, obviously, you know, there's potential for new shelter designs, but, you know, people just haven't thought of them yet. Um, I think that, I think that uh, there's going to be a, a good influx of, of shelter makers coming up here. There's a lot of room. So. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So bridging the gap here to this fun game, uh, we're going to call this uh, what's going on in this photo. <laughs> and that's pretty much what it is. So Avery has <laughs> gone through and has found photos that are potentially ambiguous in what is going on. And then she's going to share screen, share the photo with you. And then your job is to explain to the people what the photo is for those listening and then explain what we're, what we're looking at. So for those of you listening, they have no idea what these photos are. They don't know what they're going to be looking at yet or what they're going to be explaining, uh, which makes this all the much more fun. So Avery, you ready to roll? (laughs) Yes, I'm going to share my screen and we will also post the photos on Instagram when the podcast is out so you can go back and reference. Okay, so these first ones are for um, Bedhead. If you just want to explain the photo, describe it and what's going on. Yeah, so uh, the photo, uh, uh, it's a it's a very fine photo Uh, (laughs) at the top of the image. You can see you can see. uh, me standing uh, in ankle deep water. Um, this is somewhere on the AT because uh, I can see my AT pack and I've got my AT outfit on. <laughs> uh, I had to guess. I, I would. I would guess Pennsylvania. That's, it that's looks, what I would, there's it that looks, one section that's like ankle deep water for like a mile that I remember. It looks like Pennsylvania. Um, it feels like Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> We had, we had, we had constant rainstorms for like the last, like for the long trail section of Vermont. Like, I don't, I don't remember having dry feet that entire section, but it, it's definitely possible as it's Pennsylvania. So are, yeah. are those gold toes though? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, some, uh, some dirty girl gators too. Awesome. Okay. Next picture. Oh, I remember that now. <laughs> so, um, that's not, is that Angel's Landing? No, is that, um, is that, that's outside of Duncannon. Is that not the, oh. the overlook of Duncannon? Or am I wrong yeah. about that? Yeah, I think that's right outside of Duncannon. Yeah, it's uh, like, is it not, it's not Eagle. Is oh, it my- Eagle Overlook or something like that? I don't remember the name of it, but I, I think, I, I, think it's a, I have a picture of myself on my hike in the same <laughs> but, spot almost. But what's going on in the picture is, is uh, me sitting on a uh, recliner shaped rock at an overlook <laughs> in the shade. Um, if it was in Pennsylvania, it probably was at least like 95 degrees out with full humidity. So I was pretty excited to be in the shade. <laughs> and uh taking a nap on a cool what's funny about this too is that there's a really nice overlook and you are completely looking the opposite direction (laughs) (laughs) it's like i I saw it i was like okay cool and then i like turned and sit down 100 in on that nap (laughs) it's funny how like when you through hike anything or just hike a lot and spend a lot of time outside like rocks become familiar like i saw this picture and i was like i remember the exact place that that rock was in so it's funny how rocks end up being super comfortable right like people think about like carrying pads or carrying chairs or whatever that rock looks so comfortable (laughs) when when you're like you know 15 miles into the day and your feet hurt you're like yeah that that rock right there yeah and it's it's just the perfect um reclining angle as well so (laughs) okay next picture all right. So, so this is an example of why I'm called. Yep. <laughs> um, so this is at, um, this is at uncle Johnny's, uh, in Irwin. Uh, this is a mm. picture of me and my wife, Kristen, uh, trail name, uh, Daenerys. And, uh, we are voting. Uh, we voted absentee. So, um, this is, uh, just a picture we took to prove that we were sending it back out. That's pretty cool. 
So it is possible to vote from the trail. Awesome. Please vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then last one for Budhead. Oh, this was uh, this is our uh, initial quality control system. Um, so it's, a, it's a picture of me standing in front of like nine Rubbermaids uh, on folding tables uh, in our shop. And um, uh, I had gained some of the weight back from the, from after the trail. And, uh, and, and I'm going through with uh, a hand-drawn spreadsheet, uh, making sure that all the parts and pieces uh, that we needed for each individual pack was uh, in said bin. Mm. Yeah, we since switched to a, a digital system with tablets and everything, but initially we were printing them out and we had these big <laughs> checklists of all the things we needed to go on every every pack. So it was a, it was a, an interesting early system. I don't know, your hand tracing is pretty solid. That's a, Those are straight lines. Yeah, I, we, we have some stainless steel rulers. <laughs> and it looks like they're on top of like some grids too. So. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's grids <laughs> everywhere. It's like every table, there's rulers just all over the place. So. We, yeah, we still have both those cutting boards. <laughs> we probably need to replace them. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, it just seemed like a really detail-oriented picture and it caught my eye. So um, I just wanted to see what was going on. Sure. <laughs> okay, now for Gusha. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a random rock in on the Arizona trail. Uh, I'm trying to remember where that was. I think it was before getting to superior, you go through this section and yeah, just an awesome giant pillar kind of going up that looks just like a thumb. And so I had to stick my thumb up there and match it. Uh, yeah, just a cool rock. Is that a, is that considered a selfie? <laughs> I, I, th- I mean, you know, part of me is in it, so I think it is a selfie. Yeah, it's, a, it's a thumbs up. <laughs> this is just like the picture that I would want to send my mom when she's texting me every day, like, how's it going? Are you okay? Yeah. And I would just send her a thumbs yeah, up. I'm rock. awesome. So is the rock. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. So... <laughs> This is on the the Colorado or not the Colorado the Continental Divide Trail, um, and this is I went and hiked. Uh, so after I finished the Arizona Trail, I went and hiked um, uh, like a hundred mile section of the CDT uh, to like CDT Days, which is the annual trail festival, just like AT has Trail Days, CDT Days, and um, uh, so I went to the town of Lordsburg, New Mexico, and I'm with another hiker, <laughs> and we're leaving it and. If you know anything about the CDT, especially in New Mexico, there's trash everywhere because there's roads everywhere. And so we would joke about like all the beer cans being New Mexico wildflowers. <laughs> uh, on the road was a tiny child's bicycle missing its front tire that I decided would be fun to take a picture with doing a, a faux wheelie on. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so this picture is uh grant with another hiker and uh they're, they're roadside yes and and he's uh he's popping a wheelie yes. on this kid's bike with a hang loose super rad yeah. super rad <laughs> and he's got he's got uh he's got a, a bandana as a sunshade uh, underneath his hat and he I still oh, got my bows right yeah uh, rainbow sunglasses uh, yeah i missed those <laughs> those those ended up breaking i got those sunglasses at a at a random gas station in idaho and i loved them <laughs> just rainbows right across the front uh sad sad to see those gone yeah yeah you don't look like you're anywhere near a trail there you look like you're in the city simply <laughs> well no that, that is the official <laughs> continental divide trail that i am on <laughs> Thank you very much. That's red route right there. Yeah, that, that is the official trail. You look like you're across yeah. from like the youth detention oh, yeah, center. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of rough in Lordsburg, New Mexico. But the, uh, the trail officially goes like you, you road walk in maybe like I don't know two miles, and then it's like a seven mile road walk out of town, and that is the official <laughs> route. So yeah, eventually, what's funny is that you walk that road for a while, and then the trail just breaks off into this open desert there's no trail there's just like a like a marker it's just an open field of desert and it's underneath a barbed wire fence so you're like on this road walking and there's like trucks driving past super fast and you just kind of veer (laughs) off and have to climb underneath barbed wire and continue onwards there i'm sure that the people in the cars are just like what the hell is that person (laughs) doing they're crazy yeah yeah 
fun, fun. Ooh. Oh, good one. Good I took one. This picture. Yeah, you, uh, so, no, no, I took that picture. That's you. Is that me? That's you. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so this is in, what, what is the name of the, the this, this is Duro, a, something Duro, uh, this, this Palo, Palo Duro? Palo Duro Canyon, yeah. right outside of Canyon, Texas. So this is a, this is a, a feature uh, called the Lighthouse. The Lighthouse, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the canyon. So Palo Duro Canyon is, where, where is it? It's, a, it's uh, in, right outside, right outside of uh, Canyon, which is like a, kind of close to uh, Amarillo. Amarillo, yeah. And this is the second largest canyon in the country. So the Grand Canyon being the first, Palo Duro being the second we had literally no idea that it existed we were just driving cross country from uh we were in silver city for the cdt days we were driving back to nashville and we had a friend who was in amarillo and he's like canyon what he was in canyon which is a little town right there and he's like by the way did you know that there's a place right here paladero canyon it's the second largest canyon we're like we had no idea. So we yeah. decided and we went on. It was, uh, it's, it's the flattest. <laughs> it's literally the flattest place I've ever been. And I grew up like outside of Chicago. <laughs> like it's so flat. <laughs> and, 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 and we were like, there's, there's no, no way. way there's a canyon there's here. There's no way. Yeah. It's right there. It's huge <laughs> and it's beautiful. And yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the lighthouse. And uh, yeah, we were, we just went on a, a few uh, hikes. It's kind of some of the main like highlight features we were only there for maybe like two three hours but that one's really really cool that's yeah. pretty sweet palo duro if you're in north texas go there <laughs> hey yeah so i did take <laughs> yeah you did take that one <laughs> so what's going on so this one <laughs> uh so we also i i have made this a uh a, a standing feature of going into any of these uh trail festivals we were going to pct trail there pct days is what it's called yeah. Uh, yeah, 20 PCD days, 2019. And we decided to make sort of like a trip out of it. Um, so we flew into Portland where I have some family and, uh, then we took a shuttle and got dropped off at Santium Pass, Santium Pass which is like 130, 150, 150, 150 miles, uh, south of the Washington, Oregon border. And then we decided together cause he had never been on the PCT before. And I, didn't get to hike that section, which goes to the, Je- the Mount Jefferson wilderness. It was on fire in 2017. So I did, I did this big road walk around it. Uh, so it was a section that I got to knock off. But anyway, we got dropped off by the shuttle in the rain, which was awful. But behind us, I believe that's Mount Fielsen, I believe is the name of that mountain. Uh, and it's, this, it, this is like, this is like a quarter mile. Yeah, this is a quarter yeah. mile into our 150 <laughs> mile hike towards Cascade yeah. Lock. Well, and, and the thing was, I was told that it doesn't rain. On the <laughs> I was told that it wasn't ever going to rain. And then we show up in a rain for two days. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was a very cold, rainy. And, and this is Oregon on the PCT, which anyone who's like the PCT in Oregon knows is yeah. hot and dry. And this was like early August. It should not have been raining and cold. And it was like 40 degrees and raining the entire time. I'm pretty sure we got snowed on it at a certain point, but uh, yeah, this was right at the beginning. And, Mount Gilson just looked really cool in the background. So got it, got a, got a picture on it or with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, nice. that was the first time that we've done that particular <laughs> segment and you guys crushed it. So we're going to make that a regular, but uh, thanks for explaining those photos. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it wasn't a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're, we're wrapping up here, but parting, parting notes for uh, anybody looking to get into uh, let's say looking to get into ultralight uh, to touch on what we were touching on earlier. What'd you say is the the main go-to for people looking to get into ultralight backpacking uh, parting, parting advice. There's, I mean, there's a strong community on the internet, especially like on Reddit. Um, and I'll, you know, I just plug that a bit. Uh, the r slash ultralight is a subreddit that I think was formative for both of us. And, and there's, um, there's a lot of information and you can go from there to a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. You it's definitely like a, a lot of resources. Like a, yeah. Jump off yeah. spot for really getting into it. But that's, that's a really good community. Uh, that's actually pretty big at this one. It's like a hundred thousand yeah. people or something. Oh, it's, it's more, or think, more than that. They, uh, we did a, they did like a 200 K. Okay. So like yeah. going, going, you know, yeah. much pre- you know, far previous in the conversation, <laughs> we had the, um, we had to talk about knowledge being the barrier. Well, there's a massive wealth of information yeah. and just a lot of people that are really into 
long distance hiking and ultra and doing that carrying as little as possible, sort of kind of incorporating minimalism into their hiking and kind of the whole ethos there. So I would say that that's probably a great spot to start. Yeah. And um, yeah, because we could we could go on forever about yeah. like names of people to check out YouTube channels, books. Oh yeah, we could get uh, real nerdy, but I would say yeah. that that's that's a good starting, yeah, that's starting spot. That's the simple thing. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, National Pack, Levi Grant, or Gush and Bedhead, rather, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody listening, go check out the Cutaway Pack, check out National Pack, see what they're doing, um, and check out these photos that they just described. You're going to want to see these as well. Uh, thanks so much yeah. for joining us, guys. Really appreciate your time. Thank you yeah, very much. Thanks for yeah, having us on. Thank we'll you. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you. <laughs>